Good morning, church. My name is Caleb, and uh, I serve as one of the pastors here at Desert Springs. And uh, today, what we're going to do is we're going to continue on in a sermon series in the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 4 today. So if you're joining us online uh, or in the room, I'd encourage you to grab a Bible. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and you're here present with us uh, in person, there are some available on the tables in the back. Also, we've got the text printed out in the handout that you got today. So you've got that hopefully already. Did you guys get the handouts today? Great. And for those of you that are joining us online, if you don't have a Bible handy, no problem. Just go to Bible.com and we're using the Christian Standard Version of the Bible uh, this morning. Uh, before we get into it, I wanted to say huge thanks to the crew that went yesterday to uh, work with Habitat for Humanity and uh, help to uh, serve in that way just right down the street in the Palomino community. So huge thanks to those of you that served yesterday. Also huge thanks to our, mini our, our student ministry ministry team because they just did a weekend experience with about 100 people, teenagers, for 48 hours. That feeling that you get here, right, that you're feeling, right, 100 teenagers, how long? 48 hours, right? Can we say thank you to the ministry team that put together that in our student <laughs> ministries? Uh, for the two of you that have woken up this morning, uh, thank you. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week after you recuperate. They did an amazing job. It was tons of fun. I got to, they actually invited me. I got to participate a little bit, and it was a blast to be with them uh, over the last couple of days. Uh, so um, what we're going to do today, uh, and what we've been doing through this series, is we kind of read a long portion of Scripture out loud, and then we, uh, we just kind of think about it, we kind of imagine it, and then we go and we just kind of dialogue a little bit about the text. And we're going to do that again today. Uh, here's one of the reasons why we're doing that. Uh, to my best understanding, the, the Scriptures were designed artistically to be read, predominantly received uh, through your ears, not through your eyeballs. Now, certainly, it's, I, I love reading the Bible. We're going to do a ton of that today. Uh, but we recognize that the design of the text was primarily uh, designed to be read aloud and for a group of people to hear it and then to dialogue about it. So we're kind of tethering ourselves to that ancient tradition of hearing the Word. So I'm going to encourage you as I read through uh, Mark 4. Uh, before you read it, and trust me, we're going to read it, um, but maybe just even like close your eyes or just allow your imagination to see it, right? Allow, allow the words to come over you and then just to see it, right? And, uh, and this is just one other little thing I would ask of you to do. Uh, be attentive to what the Spirit of God may be doing as you hear the word, okay? Just it may be, it may be that a word comes to mind or a, a phrase sticks out or maybe you kind of have an image in your mind as you're hearing the word. Some of us may just be thinking about lunch. That's fine. Whatever it is, just notice what the Spirit of God is doing as we read the text uh, and then we'll dialogue about it. Um, and there's a ton of weird stuff in this week's reading because we're about to get into some parables and parables are by design kind of weird. So here we go. You guys sound excited. I'm excited. All right, so we're just going to listen to the word, and then, and then we'll dialogue about it. Again, he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into the boat on the sea and sat down. While the whole crowd was by the sea on the shore, he taught them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. 
Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. The other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it did not produce any fruit. Still, other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up, producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. Then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he asked them. Uh, excuse me, he answered them. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, everything comes in parables, so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive, they may indeed listen and yet not understand, otherwise they may turn back and be forgiven. Then he said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? The sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown within them. And others are like seed sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like the seed sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those, like the seed sown on good ground, hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. He also said to them, a is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? Isn't it to be put on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed and nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let them listen. And then he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And more will be added to you. For whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. The kingdom of God is like this, he said. A man scatters seed onto the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, although he does not know how. The soil produces a crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the full grain on the head. As soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed that when sown upon the soil is the smallest of all the seeds on the ground. And yet... When sown, it comes up and grows taller than all the garden plants and produces large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. He was speaking the word to them with many parables like these, and they were able to understand. He did not speak to them without a parable. Privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. This is the word of the Lord. 
So we, wasn't there a bunch of weird stuff in there? Yeah, there's a bunch of weird stuff. And one of the things that's weird for us, especially as modern uh, readers or hearers, is this reality. We're not used to parables. Parables are kind of strange. It's kind of a weird teaching device. We may even wonder, what is a parable? And uh, I wanted to just help us out. Uh, I hang out with a bunch of Bible nerds. Uh, I read a bunch of Bible nerds. I, I am a Bible nerd. Uh, and I reached out to a buddy of mine, Ben Kowitzki, who's one of our strategic partners. He actually does Bible translation. So he's really good at like understanding a lot of the nuances of like the original languages like Hebrew and Greek. So I, I found a Bible nerd friend today and asked him, what is a parable? Take a look at this. Yeah, so a parable is one of these words that I like to call biblish. It's kind of this Bible-y language that sounds familiar, but when you really think about it, you're like, what does that mean, right? We don't really hear that word used outside the Bible. Um, and really, the, the word parable comes right out of the, the Greek word parabole. Um, and most English translations just give us those same letters, right? Parable. Uh, one translation that I saw recently that uh, actually gave something other than the word parable is uh, a new translation by Sarah Rudin. Um, she just translated the Gospels. And she calls them uh, comparative stories and also at times analogies. And I think that's actually a pretty good um, translation because essentially a parable uh, is a story that can be compared to another truth of some kind. So a story that is symbolic of something else. Um, and so with the parables of Jesus, we, we see these stories. They're often about familiar things, right? We have these stories about farming and agriculture and weddings and things that would be familiar to the people who heard them, although in a lot of cases, the stories did not unfold in the way you might expect. Um, but they were familiar topics. Um, but these stories always illustrated some kind of spiritual truth. And most of these stories um, connected in some way to the kingdom of God. Um, as Jesus was teaching, you know, he was asking questions like, what is the kingdom of God like? Um, how does a person gain access to the kingdom of God? When should we expect the kingdom to come? And so as Jesus was teaching, he was telling these stories um, as a creative way to communicate these truths about the kingdom of God. Thanks, Ben. Parables are comparative stories. I love that. And that's, that's a great way to view it, that, that, that there's a story told that all the elements are relatively familiar to the hearers, and yet it's speaking to a deeper truth. There's something else about parables that we want to keep in mind. Uh, Amy Jill Levine, who's a brilliant New Testament scholar, she's also a wonderful author. I love reading her material. I find myself laughing out loud a lot when I read her work. Uh, she says this about parables. Parables were there to prompt people the hearers, to see the world in a different way. Parables were used by Jesus to prompt the hearers to see the world in a different way, to challenge and at times even to indict. We might be better off thinking less about what they mean and more about what they do. The parables remind, provoke, refine, confront, and disturb the hearers. You know that a parable is working on you when you feel like it might be reminding you, provoking you, refining you, confronting you, or disturbing you. 
And even in some of the texts, as I was even preparing uh, for, for today's message, I found myself disturbed by some of the material in uh, these parables. And so uh, here's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try my best to do this today. I, I'm going to try, and this is really hard for me, not to give you a satisfying answer. Now, many of us are like, Caleb, that's like not new every week. And I get that. What I want to do today is I just want to go through the parables. We're going to go through a couple of the parables in particular. And we're just going to notice some things. I just want to help you notice some things. But I'm not going to tie it up. I'm not going to tie up all the loose ends. I'm just going to let us feel reminded, provoked, refined, confronted, and disturbed. And then here's my challenge for you. Here's your application, if you will, for the day. Uh, Just keep thinking about it. Like, meditate on the word that you heard. Let Jesus' teaching get in here and frustrate you and confront you and provoke you and refine you and just see how your life might be different after a couple years of doing that. How's that sound? Okay, let's go through it. You guys don't sound thrilled. All right, but that's, listen, the reason that I'm posturing the sermon this way is I think that's how the parables are supposed to work. And if I jump in and I'm like, well, actually, this just means this, and you're like, oh, I feel comfortable now, then it's not working. Right? Okay. Again, he began to teach by the sea. TV time out. Do you guys remember last week, for those of you who were with us last week, that we said that a lot of the times Mark was saying Jesus was going around teaching, but he rarely, if ever, told us what he was teaching? This is one of two times where we see a little extended discourse on what Jesus is actually teaching them, and it's frustrating. So let's go. And he began to teach them by the sea, and a very large crowd, there we see that again, like these large crowds keep coming after Jesus, gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea, sat down, while the whole crowd was by the sea on the shore. He taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching, he said to them, listen. Now that that listen language could also be translated as hear me. Right? So listen up. And this, I think he's actually uh, uh, riffing on, in, De- in the book of Deuteronomy, there is this, it's called the Shema. It's, it's what uh, the Jewish people, Jesus would have said this to. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, listen. Listen up, right? Listen. So what are we supposed to do? Listen. Okay, we're just going to listen. Consider the sower. Okay, so consider a person who's got a bunch of seed, And he's out in a field, and what is he doing? He's sowing the seed, right? Consider the sower who went out to sow, to toss the seeds out. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. How many of you guys do winter grass? Anybody do like rye winter grass? You guys do that? Is this this familiar to you? Right? All the birds, like you wake up the next morning, and there's like a thousand pigeons or dove on your yard, and you're like, get the shotgun and then you're having to, you know, pay off your HOA because of the noise ordinances from the, in the blood. So, okay, so, um, you, that's not normal? <laughs> Is that just me? Okay, so some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, right? So, hello, Phoenix, right? Like, you dig down far enough, you're going to hit, like, rock, right? So rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, notice, no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce what? Just notice, right? Notice now we've got three types of soil. So it's this, notice this. Is it different seed or the same seed? Different sower or the same sower? 
What's different about all three of these? The, right, the soil, right? That which is going to receive the seed. You got it? Okay. And notice that none of them produced fruit, right? Some of them withered away. Some of them grew up but didn't produce fruit. Okay. Still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up producing what? Fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. Then he said, let anyone who ears, uh, has ears to hear what? Listen, right? Anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Now, I read that, and I'm like, cool. What? What is going on here? What are we talking about, right? It's a parable, right? I can, see, can you guys see the imagery in your mind? It, that's not hard to understand, right? The, the actual illustration is not hard to understand. It's a, it's, a, it's a person out in the field sowing seed, and there's different types of ground. The question is, so what? Like Jesus, so what, bro? Like sowers, cool. What's the point? Right? Like, you guys are there with me, aren't you? Okay. When he was alone, those around him with the 12, so it's not just the 12, but those around him and the 12, asked him about the parables. Of course they did. Because they're just like us. We're like, what's the point, Broseph? Right? He answered them the secret of the kingdom of God. TV time out. For those who have this... For those of you who are with us, okay, if you rewind the tape back to the first time that we started this study, do you remember that Jesus came proclaiming the gospel, the good news of the what? Kingdom of God. Jesus continually throughout the gospel mark, he's talking about a kingdom, a kingdom of God, the kingdom of God that is coming through him. Jesus even says when people are around him, he's like, you are near the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has come near. It's right here. It's imminent. And here now we're learning the secrets of what? We're learning the secrets of the kingdom of God. What does the kingdom of God have to do with, do with a sower? I'm glad you asked. The kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those who are outside, everything comes in parables so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive. They may, and now he's riffing on Isaiah. Uh, a, a prophet in the Old Testament, and yet not perceive. They may indeed listen and yet not understand. Otherwise, they might turn back and be forgiven. Then he said to them, don't you understand this parable? And don't you understand this parable? No. Right? Like, come now. We're just like the disciples that are just talking about the book. It's like, okay, Jesus, like that sounds really harsh, right? Didn't Jesus kind of sound harsh right there? And isn't that a little bit disturbing? Is that one of the things that parables do? Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, so it might be working. Okay, so we're a little bit disturbed. Don't you understand this parable? No, I don't. How then will you understand all the parables? I don't know. <laughs> Help us out, Jesus. And now we, get, now we get commentary. Watch this. The sower sows the word. So now he's going to explain it to us. But just notice this. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, he doesn't always do this. In fact, it's rare for him to explain Jesus seems to lay out these parables with the expectation that they're going to get in our minds and we're going to mull it around for a while. That it's going to do things like confront and refine and disturb and comfort. The sower sows the word. Some are like the word sow. Notice now he's replaced, not, uh, it's not seed anymore. So what's the seed? The word, and then, now I'm going to ask you a question, and I, I, you think you know the answer, but you don't know the answer. <laughs> what's the word? He doesn't say, does he? It's the word about a kingdom, right? 
But so far, just put yourself in the room. So far, you're hearing this. What, has he defined the word? No. Okay, so now it's getting more complex, but we're just going to go with him because he's Jesus and he loves us and we think he's pretty smart. Are like the words sown on the path. When they hear, immediately, okay, so they hear the word. Notice now the metaphor switched, right? It's not the seed that gets planted. It's the word that gets what? The word that gets heard, right? Immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. Oh, by the way, is that disturbing? Yeah, and I'm not going to make it easy for you. I'm just going to keep going. And others are like seed sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word immediately, there's immediately again, they receive it with joy, but they have no what? Root. They are short-lived. Is that disturbing? Yeah, it's disturbing. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seeds sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, hello, Americans, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. Hello, individualistic, capitalistic society. I told you I wasn't going to do application. Oh, I didn't. I just said hello to you. Okay, so, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes what? Here we are again, unfruitful. Notice the metaphor didn't change. He kept unfruitful. Do you remember that the seed sown in the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the soil with the thorns was unfruitful, and here he uses the same word, unfruitful, right? He doesn't change it. And those like seed sown on good ground hear the word. What's the word? Welcome it. And what? Produce fruit. A little or a lot? Well, like 30 times? 60 times? 100 times? That's lots of fruit. That was sown. Hooray. Now, notice the text. I know that there were four types of soil, but there were really two. You'll just notice. There was a fruitful and what? Unfruitful, right? Now, he seems, Jesus seems to be saying that the soil is people. He seems to be saying people are dirt. Have you guys ever heard ashes to ashes, dust to dust? I don't think he's barking up a crazy tree right now. He seems to be saying people are like dirt. And actually, people are kind of like plants. They kind of grow, right? It's really interesting. And he says, okay, so, 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 What's he doing? He says, imagine the sower is sowing the seed and the seed is the word. And the word lands on different types of soil. And there's the rocky soil and there's the, the one by the way. So the soil that has no roots, the one by the way where the birds come. Notice, are the birds good guys or bad guys? Yeah, like Satan, bad guys. When you, pre- when you plant winter rye, Satan is coming. So it's okay to get the BB gun. Um, and then there's the, so there's the unfruitful soil, and then there's the what? Fruitful soil. Okay. So I just want to notice something. For those of you uh, who are, uh, maybe this is your first time ever reading the Bible, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, for those of you maybe who have studied the Bible before, maybe you're familiar with this, I just I would do, do a little pop quiz. Is fruit in the Bible a physical or spiritual thing? It's both, right? You'll see fruit that like, oh, this person ate fruit, and you're like, that's fruit. 
But then it be, it's used as a metaphor to describe what is produced within our lives. Like, uh, what's the thing in Galatians? Like, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? And so Jesus seems to be saying, okay, when the word is sown, in some dirt, it doesn't produce anything, and in other dirt, it produces fruit. Do you just notice that? That seems to be what he's saying. And so uh, I, I'm not going to do application, I promise, I, but I do want to just illustrate. I think that in the scripture, the fruit that comes out of hearing the good news of the kingdom of God is that we live the kingdom of God values now. To put it another way, in the Lord's prayer, when, when the disciples go to Jesus and say, Jesus teaches how to pray, he says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in the kingdom of God. So I, th I think that to, to bear fruit is to on earth as it is in heaven. You with me so far? And, and one of the ways that we see that, we see that a lot of ways in our church family. One of the ways that we see that, actually, this is so cool. Um, we know that uh, as it is in heaven, like kids in the kingdom of God get clean water. Right? Like that's just a, that's just a, a face value statement, right? Kids in the kingdom of God get clean water. And so if there's places where kids don't get clean water, we get to be a people who bear fruit and provide clean water. And we're actually doing that right now. In fact, we're partnering with World Vision uh, to provide clean water. Uh, Lindsay Boss uh, is leading the team. I'm going to have her come up here in just a minute. Uh, and we're fundraising to provide clean water because we believe that it's part of the fruit of living out the kingdom. I want to give you guys, get you guys caught up if you haven't heard about it already, so take a look at this video. Chiru has no choice. She and millions like her must walk miles every day for dirty water. But together, we can end their walk by providing clean water close by. Instead of spending hours walking to get water that makes them sick, girls can be in a classroom that expands their minds, and moms will gain back time to care for their families. Sons and daughters can grow up strong, finally free of sicknesses caused by dirty water. At World Vision, care about clean water runs deep. Deep enough to reach one new person with clean water every 10 seconds. Because every child, every person, everywhere deserves clean water and the chance to rise to their full potential. It's true. When you just add water, you change a life. Learn more at worldvision.org. So I'm here with Lindsay Boss, who is definitely boss status, I've got to say. Uh, Lindsay, uh, tell us. <laughs> I, did, I, did. I think I won. I've never, been, I've never been kicked at on this stage. I feel, <laughs> I feel honored. Uh, You're us, welcome. <laughs> You're welcome for sparing you. Yeah, thank you for not kicking me in the face. Uh, <laughs> Who are you and, what, and how'd you get to Desert Springs? Oh, well, according to you, I have boss status. Yes. So, uh, let's see. So, hi, my name is Lizzie Boss. So, I'm the team captain for the DSBC uh, World Vision team. And we have some of our team members here. So, we just ask that uh, you'd either stand or you'd wave, whatever you feel most comfortable. So, these brave souls are training. Yeah, give them a round of applause. Yeah. So these brave souls, they're training for a half marathon, which is 13.1 miles. Woo! 
Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. They're definitely boss. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, they're training. They're working so hard. They've been working so hard since October in order to uh, train for the race as well as raise money so that children can drop their jerry cans and that they can go to school. So we just want to give it up for our DSPC team. So the uh, race will be about two weeks from now, which is February 12th. So if you're interested in uh, donating and helping to uh, get these kids to drop their jerry cans and go to school, uh, you can either talk to one of the uh, team members individually, you can uh, go out in the lobby afterwards, and we also have a link on our DSBC website under events in which you can donate as well. So every $50 will give a lifetime of uh, life-changing clean water for one person. So it is so impactful. Uh, World Vision, it's actually the largest non-governmental uh, organization of, uh, sorry, World Vision is the largest non-governmental organization of, of water providing throughout the whole world. So I'm sorry if that didn't make sense. World Vision is the largest non-governmental. You, yeah. okay. you got it. Perfect. So you love it when people are on stage, right? So, so you brought jerry cans up. Tell us, yeah. like, okay, so bringing water, so $50, one person, lifetime of water. Uh, why does that make a difference in their life? That makes a huge difference in their life. Like, a lot of these um, African village, you know, some of them, the remote places, the, the, the closest water source is, like, three miles away. So, like, imagine yourself, you know, you... You grew up in a remote African village. The largest water source is like a dirty river three miles away. And all you, all you know is that like every day, adults and children are, are carrying these jerry cans, whatever, whatever they can carry. You know, the little kids can't carry that. So they're carrying whatever they can find. And they literally walk for hours, go down to like a dirty river, get water. And you have to drink it. There's no other option. There's no other water source. But then the kingdom of God shows up. It arrives in the middle of the despair and darkness and, and just like radically transforms these villages. World Vision shows up. It's a Christian humanitarian organization and says we can build a well and pipelines right in the middle of the village. We can make it so that your children no longer have to walk hours for water. We can make it so that your people no longer have to drink dirty, disease-infested water. We can make it so that your people can drink life-changing clean water. It radically changes. It's like the kingdom of God. It's an expression of the kingdom of God. It, it, it's like it comes in and it radically transforms the life of the children. Mm. It radically transforms the life of the parents and it radically transforms the entire village. And it's just so beautiful. And like, you know, we at, everything we do at DSBC, it comes down to our mission of transforming people to have an impact in their world for Christ. And it is just such a, such a beautiful expression of God's kingdom. And I just want to invite you guys all of you guys, to be a part of what we're doing, of, of providing this life-changing clean water. I mean, these kids, they don't have to, they get, like, the wells in their village, they can drop their jerry cans, they can go to school, you know, these people, they're not ingesting this water that, that could potentially make them sick, that could potentially have them die, so, I mean, it just, world vision comes in, and it just radically, it just shows up. The kingdom of God just transforms everything, you know? So it's just, it's just so amazing. And like, you know, we we're talking about sowing seeds and all that kind of stuff. 
And you think about it, like $50 is like this, this like mustard seed, so to speak, and look at the difference that it makes. I mean, these kids go from spending hours a day walking for water to being able to go to school, to be able to play with their friends, to take in water that's clean, that they're not having all this disease. So it's just, you know, the kingdom of God just radically transforms things. So I'm so glad that VSBC decided to partner with World Vision so that we can be a part of the solution. You know, we can come in, build wells, and just radically transform uh, these children, these parents, and these entire villages. So, Lindsay, you guys are going to be running in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. And what's the goal to raise? Yes, the goal is to raise $40,000. So hopefully we have some big donors out in the internet world over there as well as in here. <laughs> but yeah, the goal is to raise uh, $40,000. Uh, I checked this morning and we're about, we're just under $6,000. So we're hoping, uh, we're, you know, we're hoping to raise $40,000 uh, in order to radically uh, transform these. Was it six or 16 that we were at? Oh, 16. 16, okay, oh, that's all right. No, 16. that's cool. Uh, so if y'all want to get on board with this and sponsor these runners, uh, you can check. If you're in the room on the, on the, on the uh, handout, there's a link. Uh, for those of you who are online, I think we could put that up on the screen. Just make sure you copy that down real quick. Uh, and you can learn opportunities to not only donate, but also to volunteer at the event uh, mm -hmm. on February 12th. We'd love to have you guys participate with that. Can we say thank you to Lindsay? Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. And can we th say thank you to our DSBC yeah. team members? Thank you, guys. So this is one of many expressions uh, of bearing fruit, right? The word of the kingdom of God goes in. And for some, it doesn't make a change. For some, it doesn't initiate any fruit. Yet for others, it goes in and it produces fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. What we're going to do now is we're going to kind of skip over a couple of the other parables, primarily because of time. They are amazing, and I would love to frustrate you even further by reading them out loud. But uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to get us to um, uh, verse 30, and we're going to do... Uh, I think it's the last one in the text uh, in this particular chapter. Yeah, the parable of the mustard seed. And I want you just to think about, okay, so what have we been talking about? We've been talking about the mystery of what? The mystery of the kingdom of God, right? The word of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is saying, th saying things parabolically to describe the kingdom of God. Notice in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus never comes out and says, this is exactly what the kingdom of God is, A, B, C, and D. He does not do that. He speaks in parables. In fact, you'll find it right here. And he said, with what, I love this, <clears throat> with what can we compare the kingdom of God? I love that question. What can we compare? Like Jesus, we're waiting, bro. What can we compare? We don't know. Like you're here proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. You didn't give us an FAQ sheet. What is it? And then he's like, all right, well, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable can we use to describe it? I don't know. You tell us. Now, pause. Pause, pause, pause. I want you to get in that space. You're listening to Jesus. You're asking Jesus, Jesus, talk to us about the kingdom of God. What's the mystery of the kingdom of God? What? Tell us more, please, about the kingdom that you've been proclaiming good news about. Now, what are we talking about? Kingdom. What? kingdoms do you know of? Somebody tell me. Like empires. Have you heard of these before? Uh, what would be like an empire you've heard of before? The British Empire. Anybody else? What's that? Rome. Babylon. Persia, right? 
empires. And when you think of empires, do you think of things that are weak and small, or do you think about things that are big and mighty? Big and mighty. Like, what are some of the, like, the animals that they use? Lion, eagle. If, if you've been to Washington, D.C., you'll see these same animals. Elephant, right? Horse and rider. Do you ever see, like, bunny rabbits? Like, welcome to Rome, this is our iconic hamster. Yes, mighty, furious, right? It's always big. So if you had to, if you had to think about, like, uh, plants or trees, what kind of trees or plants would you use to describe a mighty kingdom? A redwood, a mighty oak, right? A cedar, a kingdom. Hmm? You guys primed for what's about to happen next? What happens next is Jesus tells a joke. Because what has he been talking about? The kingdom, right? So we're all primed for like cedars, horses, and eagles. Jesus, to what should we compare the kingdom of God? Obviously, it's going to be something big and mighty. It's like a mustard seed. What? Wait, 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 wait. The kingdom of, like, God is like a what now? What did he say? A mustard seed. This must be a joke. It's like a mustard seed that when sown upon the soil, notice we're using the same basic metaphor of a seed and soil, is the smallest of all the seeds on the ground. And when sown, it comes up and grows taller than all the other garden plants. Okay, so I guess that's cool, like it's the biggest garden plant. And produces large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. Huh. The kingdom of God is like, what now? You tell me. So the next time one of your friends says, hey, um, I heard you follow Jesus. What's that like? And you go to your fridge and you pull out the yellow mustard like this. <laughs> Do you want to come to church next week? <laughs> right? Isn't it strange? Isn't this weird? Right? What Jesus is doing here is something he is confronting, he is reminding, he's provoking, he's disturbing, and he's refining. Because our expectations for kingdom is what? big and mighty and a show of force. Is that how a mustard plant grows? In fact, this is really uh, phenomenal to me. One of the things that the ancients around Jesus' day knew, uh, thought about mustard seeds, they thought it had medicinal purposes. It had a specific taste and, um, and, and fragrant, and they, they would use it uh, medicinally as well. So it was kind of a curative uh, plant. It, it brought healing in the ancient mind. There's something else about mustard seeds or mustard plants, is they can be gardened, they can be cultivated. You guys saw here, right? Jesus is using, did, oh, did he, did he say it here? Uh, it's like a mustard seed that when sown, so what do you do with, that's intent, right? That's not wild, that's intentional, that's, that's cultivated, right? Right? He, Jesus knows that the mustard can be cultivated, but one of the things we also know is that mustard grows really quickly and kind of, uh, 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 um, uh, it propagates in the wild. 
once you get it in your garden, it's very difficult to get it out. If you guys familiar with Bermuda grass, right? That stuff ain't going away. But you oftentimes don't see it because it's under the surface, right? The way that the mustard plant grows is that it's, it's not only medicinal, according to the ancient mind, but it's also kind of around. And here's what's interesting. This means anyone can get it. Usually in Jesus' day, it was primarily the wealthy and the powerful who had gardens, or it was your business to have a field, right? Not everyone had access to those things, especially the poor. And yet anyone could walk up and take of the mustard, this curative plant. Now, I'm not trying to make any points. I'm not trying to give any application. I'm just trying to notice that what Jesus might be doing here subverts the common view of how kingdoms grow. Because kingdoms in Jesus' day and in our day grow at the edge of a bloodied sword. And yet, and it's only for the elite that get to get the payoff of kingdom. And yet in Jesus' kingdom, it's something that's like a seed and you, you don't actually see it working. This is the funny thing about plants. You plant the seed, unless you've got one of those clear cases with the soil in it, you don't get to see what's going on. It's interesting. Which means that the kingdom of God could be at work even if I can't see it. For me, um, this has been a helpful corrective. Because for me, I, I tend to think the bigger, the better. Right? A big wow, a big boom, a big like, you know, make a, make a highlight reel. That's God at work. But according to Jesus, talking about the kingdom of God, God seems to be at work in like quiet, subtle ways, in ways that's available to all, and even oftentimes growing in ways that I can't see. There's a thing that I've grown, um, I, I used to say, and, and, and because of texts like this, I've just stopped, um, and it's this phrase, and if you said it, I'm not trying to bust your chops or anything, but um, like, I, I want to do big things for God. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that kind of language. Like, let's do big things for God. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I think what Jesus might be calling us to is let's, let's do faithful things for God. And sometimes being faithful means that the work is just quiet and under the surface. And it's for the healing of people. It's for blessing. But it may not be big. The, the joke about this is, like, even when the mustard plant is fully grown, especially in uh, and around uh, Jerusalem and the Galilean area, it's still not very big, and it's kind of scrubby. It's not really, like, super attractive. <laughs> On outward appearances, it's kind of like, I don't really want that. The goodness is in it is when you receive it, right? The medicinal value is when you receive it. Not how it looks on the outside, not how majestic it is, but in the reception. So I'm not going to make any application points, he says coyly. But I would just ask you to consider the dirt of your heart, the soil that's inside. As you hear the word of Jesus, as you, as you watch Jesus throughout this study and on your own study, will it be a heart that's ready to receive what Jesus has for us? A heart that receives what Jesus has for us and then produces good fruit, even if the producing of that fruit is kind of under the radar, and not really like super awe-inspiring and attractive, but for the blessing and service of others. 
just encourage you to meditate on that, think on that this week. Let these parables roll around in your mind. Next time you see a bunch of dirt, think about Jesus. Next time you drive through uh, uh, Home Depot, the garden section, and you see the little seeds, just look for the mustard seed and think about the kingdom of God and see if that doesn't impact or change your life. Let me pray for us. Lord, we love you. We see in radical ways, especially in our study of the Gospel of Mark, that you love us. And we want to be receptive to the good news of your kingdom. We want to be a people who are receptive to the word, that it would be not only planted within us, but it would produce much good fruit. Would you, Lord, continue to refine us, confront us, challenge us, comfort us, provoke us, and disturb us? as we consider your teachings, as we consider your life, Jesus, and as we follow you. We, do these, we ask these things, Lord, knowing that you love us and you're powerful to bring them about, and so we entrust ourselves to you. Amen. Amen. Church family, I love you. More importantly, Jesus loves you more than you can ever imagine. Let us go and live in light of this truth. We'll see you next time.